Well, good morning. Everyone good today? Yes, good. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, I'm going to start today with something that I've never done before. Um, and uh, we have a problem. And I, I really honestly wasn't sure exactly how to address this problem. And you may disagree with how I'm doing this, but here goes. Um, who brought the sweet potato casserole last week? Is anybody going to own up to that? Okay, if, if did you bring it? Okay, talk to me afterwards, okay? Seriously. I didn't want to call you out, but I love sweet potatoes, and I asked around, and nobody could tell me. So uh, we need to talk. Guys, I had you guys worried, didn't I? Yeah, like, oh my gosh, where is he going with this? Well, last week, if you were with us, you may remember that I shared my disdain for television commercials. I feel as though advertisers treat us like idiots. They really do, especially this Christmas season. But I said that this was an indicator, of course, that Christmas is upon us. And there is another signal that we see that tells us that Christmas is near. And no, it's not the calendar for whoever came up with that one last week, but Calendar is an accurate indicator. Any guesses? It's the movies that are on TV, right? Tons and tons of, of Christmas movies on this time of year. Anybody have a favorite? Yeah? I've never seen Yeah before. No. Wonderful Life, Grinch, I heard. Christmas Story, that's a good one, right? Yeah, so I, I, I did a little bit of research, and I looked up the top Christmas movies, and this was according to Rotten Tomatoes, but I looked at a couple of different lists, and all the lists were pretty close to being the same. And these lists included pretty much all the movies that you guys had mentioned, all the typical Christmas movies, but there's some on the, on the list that really had me scratching my head. Like this one, for instance, came in at number 55, Stranger in the House. It's a slasher movie, I guess. I don't know. I've never seen it. I guess there's nothing better than some blood and guts on Christmas. While You Were Sleeping, that came in at number 38. I don't see how that's a Christmas movie, but maybe I just don't get it. Batman Returns, Christmas movie. Here's one came in at number 22. Never heard of this before. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just out of it. Um, Little Women. I don't know how that's a Christmas movie, although I've never seen it. Clearly a chick flick, right? Edward Scissorhands. Christmas movie. Came in at number 16. Die Hard. I, I don't like Bruce Willis, so I don't know. Um, here's one that came in the top 10 on multiple lists. Never heard of this movie before. It's called Tangerine. Really? Because it's a story about hookers and pimps. I'm like, I guess they have Christmas too. I don't know. Um, but whatever. 
Shop Around the Corner came in at number four. Never heard of it. It's an old one. Love Actually, that's another one that's up there. I've seen it, but that's a Christmas movie, I guess. But the number one, what's the number one? Somebody said it before. It's a Wonderful Life. And I used to watch that movie every Christmas Eve. You know, once the mayhem was done and the kids were in bed, I'd sit there and watch It's a Wonderful Life all by myself. And I haven't done that in a number of years. Maybe I'll do it again this year. But, you know, there's something about these movies that I've mentioned here, and that is they don't seem to be Christmas movies. They don't fit the typical Christmas narrative. Christmas is an interesting time for movies and for stories. And actually, there's passages in the Bible as well that don't really seem to be Christmas stories. You wouldn't think of them as Christmas stories. This time of year, most of the focus is on many of the passages that we've looked at over the last few weeks. The passages from Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, where we read about the visiting angels, the story of Mary and Elizabeth, the trek that Mary and Joseph made from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the shepherds and the angels and the peace and the joy that they announced at the birth of Jesus. We tend to focus on those stories and the stories in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 where we read about Joseph when the angel appeared to him in that dream. And then the story of the wise men traveling from the east to find and to worship Jesus. And we spent a lot of time exploring these, and rightfully so, because they tell the story of Jesus' birth. But there's another story that we're going to look at today, and this story may be the greatest Christmas story of all. Now, this is the last week in our Advent Christmas series, The Gifts of Christmas. And through this series, I, I, I pray that we would better see the reality of the life that we can have through the birth of Jesus. Jesus offers us a life that's filled with hope and filled with peace and joy, both now in this world, but for all eternity as well. He offers these gifts, if you remember we talked about this, to everyone. These gifts are available to anyone who believes in the name of of Jesus. And over the past several weeks, we've studied these gifts, these gifts in depth, the hope, the peace, the joy. Today we examine the last gift, and that is the gift of love. And quite honestly, this speaks really to the why of the first three gifts. Love is the why these other gifts are offered to us. So to help us understand this, we're going to look at a passage that, again, we said doesn't typically seem like a Christmas narrative, but, again, this may be one of the best. We find it in the Gospel of John. It's John chapter 1, the first 18 verses. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, that's where we're going to live for the majority of our time this morning, we're going to look at another passage a little bit later in John that sort of completes the story. But John chapter 1, verse 1. 
But when we consider all four of the Gospels, we notice something, and that is that Mark is the only Gospel that does not contain a Christmas story per se. Mark begins his account of life at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. He doesn't chronicle the birth. Only Matthew and Luke contain actual narratives of Jesus' birth. And we've looked at these over the last couple of weeks. The Gospel of John is a little bit different. John is probably the last gospel written, the last of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And John writes this gospel in light of the information that the other gospels have already shared. That may explain why he doesn't include an actual narrative of Jesus' birth. And John also writes with a slightly different purpose, which he doesn't overtly reveal until chapter 20 of his gospel. In chapter 20, verse 31, John says that he wrote all of this, that you, and he means you and me, may believe that Jesus, this baby, this baby that was born some 2,000 plus years ago, is the Messiah, the Son of God, just as the angels announced in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. He is the Savior. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. John goes on to say that by believing you may have life in His name. So John, he begins his Christmas story not at the birth of Christ, but at the very beginning of time. And we want to read this in light of the reason that John wrote this gospel, to know to know who Jesus is and to know the life that we can have in him. And it's a life that is filled with hope and peace and joy in Christ. So John begins in verse 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And what John is doing here is he's echoing the creation story that we read in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So what John is saying here is that the Word, the Word was there at the very beginning. The Word existed before creation, before even time began. And John uses a very interesting Greek term for the Word, and that is... Logos. Logos. And this Greek word logos, this, this, this word and this idea has deep and deep rich roots in both Jewish and Greek thinking. So when John says logos, when he says the word, both Greeks and Jews knew that he was referring to God. In fact, John says not only was the word with God at the beginning, he was God. John wants us to know that the Word is not only eternal, not only preexistent of creation and time, but He is, in fact, God. Not only that, but John tells us in verses 3 and following, through Him, that is the Word, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. 
and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this logos, the word here that John refers to, is the God of creation. It's the same God that we read about in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the same God who Paul writes about in Colossians chapter 1. This past summer, we spent a lot of time reading and studying Colossians. And if you remember, in chapter 1, Paul writes this. For in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, that's the eternality. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So this God is the creator and sustainer of all things. And just so we're clear here, who is it that Paul is writing about in Colossians chapter 1? Who is he referring to when he says, for in him all things were created? He's talking about Jesus, absolutely. So who's John writing about when he refers to the logos, to the word? It's Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who was there at the beginning. Jesus is God. And, John says in verse 4, Jesus is life. The Word is the source of all life. And not just biological life, but the very principles of life. Dodds makes a comment in his commentary. He says, That power which creates life and maintains all else in existence was in the Logos, was in Jesus. John also says that the Logos is the light of all mankind. And we're going to explore that in a lot more detail at our Christmas Eve Eve service. So you have to come back on Thursday. A little commercial for Thursday. Come on back. But John goes on to say in verse 6, he, he goes on to describe actually John the Baptist. He says, <clears throat> there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So he's talking about John the Baptist here. And remember, John the Baptist is part of the Christmas story. Remember when the angel visited Zechariah and told him that Elizabeth would have a baby? That baby was John the Baptist. And the gospel writer John here, he doesn't go into the same kind of detail that the other gospels do with regard to John and his birth. The other gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, you know, they talk about the fact that John the Baptist was in fact the fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah. Right? He was the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. See, the other gospel writers had done that. John, he just wanted to be sure that there was no confusion, that we would know that John was not the Logos. He came only as a witness to the Logos. And then John goes on to describe the Logos as the true light that gives light to everyone 
was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, he's the creator, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So Jesus, Jesus came into this world that he created, and he came as the light shining in the darkness. And here's another reference to the creation story that we read about in Genesis chapter 1. We, we, we read there that the, the world was surrounded by darkness until Jesus, until God said, let there be light. And there was. So he came to the world that he created as the light to the world. He also came to the creatures he had created in his image. But they didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. They rejected him, just like the rulers of the Jerusalem church did in the story we read about about the wise men. They knew the Messiah was born in Bethlehem, but they refused to go. They refused to acknowledge him. They refused to worship him. They rejected Jesus. Yet Jesus came, friends, just the same into this world at Christmas time. And he came bearing gifts. He came bearing the gifts of hope and peace and joy. And again, these gifts are available to all who receive him. They're available to all who believe in Jesus. And John wants to make it absolutely clear who Jesus is. He goes on at the beginning of verse 14 to say, The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. There's the, there's the beginning of the Christmas story. There's the absolute beginning of the Christmas story. In all its glory. This is what Matthew and Luke wrote about in great detail in their accounts. John is just a bit more succinct here. And he says, the logos, the word God, became like one of us. He became flesh. Now, that's not to say that he ceased being God. No. And this is one of the mysteries of the incarnation, how Jesus could be fully man, yet continue to be fully God. But that is the truth of this miracle. The eternal, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, perfectly holy God, as John says, made his dwelling among us. The original Greek says literally pitched his tent with us, which echoes how God had dwelt among the Israelites throughout the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God had made his presence known to his people in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting. Now God takes up residence. He literally pitches his tent with his people in the incarnate world. And John says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. 
The NIV translates this, we have seen, a better translation maybe is, we beheld His glory. See, the original Greek is a much stronger word than seen or looked. John tells us that he and the other disciples, they studied carefully, they observed, and they were eyewitnesses to the glory of the Word, to the glory of God made flesh. We read on, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Sounds a little confusing there, but John the Baptist, he bore witness. He witnessed, and this isn't a reference to Jesus being born before John. As a matter of fact, Luke tells us that John was actually born first. What John the Baptist is telling us here is his understanding of the eternality, right? The eternality and the preexistence of Jesus. He preexisted creation. He was before me. It's exactly what John was saying in his gospel earlier that we read. We continue at verse 16. He says, Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. We heard that in our reading this morning. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God as in, as, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So John uses a really interesting turn of phrase here. Some translations say grace for grace. The English Standard Version says grace upon grace. But the phrase means literally grace instead of grace. And now we're starting to drill down into the real reason that Jesus came to earth. He came to bring grace. See, God had showed his grace in the past by revealing the requirements of the law to the nation of Israel. That was under the old covenant. But Jesus came as the final and definitive revelation of God's grace. Grace through the sacrifice of Christ instead of grace through the law. We now live under the new covenant, the covenant in Jesus' blood. And John makes it clear again in verse 18 that Jesus, Jesus, this baby that was born, the one and only son, is in fact God himself. The baby that we celebrate was God, born to Mary that first Christmas morning. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I know that you're going to ask me, how does this all fit with the gifts of Christmas? You know, at the onset, we said that we would be unwrapping the last of the gifts, right? The gift of love. And really... As we stated earlier, this final gift would really speak to the why, to the why of Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? Why does he offer the first three gifts that we learned about? John's already established who Jesus is, right? He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. He is the Lord God himself. 
But why? Why would God leave his throne in heaven for a criminal's cross? Well, John does tell us, but it's a little later in his gospel, in chapter 3. You may have heard this verse before. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, there's the Christmas story. There's the whole Christmas story in one verse. For God, God, the almighty authority, the creator and the sustainer of all things, the God of the cosmos, so loved Love, there's the motive, there's the why, love. Agape, sacrificial love. And he loved the world, the people of the world. He loves his creation. He loves you and he loves me so much that he gave his one and only son. The greatest gift ever given that whoever believes in him Whoever, whoever, the gift is for everyone. The gift is for anyone who chooses to believe the truth about Jesus. Anyone who believes should not perish, but have eternal life. We can be delivered from eternal darkness and spend eternity basking in the light of the world, Jesus. Why? Because he loves you. Make no mistake, friends. He loves you. And I know that some are going to say, you know, you have no idea what I've done in my life. You don't know the sin and the shame that I have in my past. There is no way that God could ever love me, friend. That is simply not true. God loves you. He knows what you've done. He's God. He knows everything. And He loves you. Regardless of your past, despite your sin, you are never beyond His forgiveness. There is more grace in God than there is sin in your past. You know that? There's more grace in God than there is sin in your past. You're never too far gone. All you have to do is accept the gift that he offers. When you accept Jesus, when you believe on him, you can experience his love and you can have hope. You can have peace. You can have joy that is only available in Christ. Love is the why of this Christmas season. Love is why Jesus came to earth. I, I want to make sure that we understand that the Christmas story, it does not end there. That cannot be the end of it. Yes, love is why that baby was born in Bethlehem. But love also caused him to live a perfect life. It's because of love that he endured the cross and the wrath of God and took the penalty that we deserve. Love raised him from the dead on the third day. Love caused him to ascend into heaven to take his place at the right hand of God. And love, friends, love 
will bring him back someday to gather his people to him for all eternity. And as that song said that we sung before, that is going to be a glorious day. A glorious day. May we all accept the gift of Jesus this Christmas. May we live in God's love and receive the gifts of hope and peace and joy. Not, not just this time of year, but all year round and for all eternity. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and, uh, and praise you. And we thank you for this Christmas story that your son came to this earth. But Lord, we know that it doesn't, it doesn't end there. That he lived and he died. He was risen from the dead. He ascended and he's coming back someday. And Lord, he does that because he loves us. And we thank you for that love. And we thank you for the peace and the joy and the hope that we have in Christ. May we live in that love and in those gifts of Christmas. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.